Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Bird Gang Blitz. I'm Blake Murphy, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, the Venerable John Venerable. How are you doing tonight, Johnny? I'm good, Blake. How are you, sir? Doing well. Well, uh, that was quite an unexpected, I guess you could say, uh, debut for Adrian Peterson, who was off for 130 yards, uh, two touchdowns, averages five yards per carry, which I know we'd talked last week would have been probably happy with just maybe in three and a half yards per carry. So, John, talk a little bit about uh, all day's impressive debut with the Cardinals and how it impacted the Bucks game. Yeah, I think that was a performance that not a lot of people were expecting from a national perspective. I think Cardinal fans were cautiously optimistic. Um, but again, you were talking about trying to keep the defense honest and having a balance offensively, um, trying to get Adrian Peterson involved and, and keeping the Cardinals um, balanced on offense and, and getting him to the point where maybe you can have, you know, 10 to 15 touches per game and, and allowing the passing game to open up a little bit. No one expected, you know, 26 carries for 134 yards and, you know, a long of 27 and two touchdowns and a, and a completely dominant performance and something that, that only David Johnson could perform for this team and something that has been severely lacking since David Johnson's injury uh, week one. Now, I think the return of, of DJ Humphreys at left tackle and, and to a lesser extent, Alex Boone at left guard has helped significantly as well. But you look specifically at Adrian Peterson's touchdown run, that, that, that hole that he crept through was pretty small. Uh, they did a nice job on the Cardinal website to break down how small that hole was and how he was able to, to squeeze through that hole and to score. Um, he's, he's shown an ability to make defenders miss and the jump cut and the explosion. A lot of things that people have questioned um, still seem to be there. And I think that that's the, probably the best thing for the Cardinals is that a lot of his traits that we saw in Minnesota – still seem to be there from an explosion standpoint, from an ability standpoint, and even the breakaway speed we saw on the long 40-45 yard run that was draw, um, called back on the uh, legal block in the back uh, Jerron Brown penalty, um, you saw the explosion, you saw the breakaway speed there. So really, all elements, all facets of his game, uh, including some of the negative, you saw the fumble late in the game, uh, they all seem to still be there for a 32-year-old running back that's eventually going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, this bodes extremely well for a Cardinal team that really had no identity uh, going into this game, um, an offense that has been uh, next to last in a lot of the, st the key statistical categories, touchdowns, they were last in rushing. Um, Carson Palmer had been sacked more than any other quarterback. Uh, I believe he was only sacked twice in this game, and those were coverage sacks. So, again, much less pressure was brought on Carson Palmer. He only had 22 attempts in this game, completing 18 passes. He was tremendous. So you saw what Adrian Peterson did to lighten his load. Um, uh, nobody was expecting this kind of performance. It's a Steve Kimes specialty. Makes you think that Steve Kimes should make more trades because really he's batting about 700 when it comes to making these kind of trades. But again, uh, I think it's a move that right now you kind of just go week to week and it's, it's a gamble that really looks like it's paid off for the price that they gave. And you and I, Blake, liked the move a week ago and we liked it from the standpoint of balancing the offense and giving them a little bit more of a physicality and a power mentality to the run game. We certainly didn't expect 
you know, what appears to be a top 12 to 15 running back in the league, if not better. I mean, you look around the league and you look at teams that are going to be vying for playoff contention. They're not going to have what appears to be the talent of an Adrian Peterson in their backfield. I, I believe that based on just off of what we saw on Sunday, Adrian Peterson is superior to probably a third of what a lot of NFL teams are going to be trying out their backfield. Seattle, Detroit come to mind. Teams that are the Cardinals are going to be competing against, you know, within the conference of the NFC for playoff spots that they've 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 leapfrogged a lot of these teams in my opinion with with what they've picked up essentially off the scrap heap and that's a testament to steve kime and bruce Arians to bring in bruce uh, to bring in adrian peterson so um i'm excited i'm excited to see what he'll do now but you know now teams aren't going to be sleeping on adrian peterson in the cardinal run game um because they've seen what he can do in a cardinal uniform they know that okay he's going to get the he's going to tote the rock 25 to 30 times a game. Uh, they know that Carson Palmer is going to have to beat them with his arm uh, if they stack the box with, you know, 9, 10 guys. But at the same time, the return of DJ Humphreys is almost as big uh, of an addition as uh, Adrian Peterson. DJ Humphreys was the number one rated run blocking tackle uh, via pro football focus. Uh, the Cardinal offensive line, I thought, performed probably better than it has maybe in the last season or half season. Uh, yeah. I thought Alex Boone was, was very solid, but that left side of the offensive line uh, was as good as I've seen it in a long time. And you saw, Blake, they ran left a heck of a lot. What were your thoughts just on the run game in general and Adrian Peterson? Well, you know, definitely the biggest impact that the run game had was um, you got to see how the run set up the pass and just having that balanced offense. Uh, the Fitzgerald touchdown, both safeties bit, and he was just wide open for a touchdown. You realize that once you actually can't leave defenders back in coverage, you actually have to watch the run on times like third and two. Uh, it just had a totally different impact on the offense. I think there is a good argument to be made that DJ Humphreys might actually be perhaps these in some cases, maybe the most valuable player on this Cardinals offense, at least right now, because we've seen the team without him where offensively they just seem to be lost and struggling uh, both in the pass game and in the run game. Uh, whereas he just was a dominant force uh, in the run game, didn't let up any sacks in Palmer uh, in Sunday's game. I think that he right now and his health has been the key to the offense. And this is something we talked about and discussed was, was Steve Kimes ability to field an offensive line, uh, an issue for the Cardinals. I think I said that I didn't think that the fielding the line was an issue. I felt that the issue was that he didn't pick good depth. This is why you're watching the Cole Toners, the Dorian Johnsons of the world, who players who would normally be able to step in uh, for uh, the starters when they go down were just not up to par, whether that's uh, coaching or whether that's an issue. Uh, I think that, that ultimately we did get to at least see that once the Cardinals do have a competent line and a running back who, when you or watching the film and you say, Hey, here's a hole that's opening up. And he sees that hole and takes it has the burst to be able to get through, make it and miss. Uh, that just gives your entire offense a huge boost. And that's part of what they're missing with David Johnson this year. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting as well was looking at how Bruce Arians adjusted. Uh, he basically had set up different plays where originally they were going to call a flea flicker on the first play of the game is what had been reported. And what's amazing about all of that is the, confidence that they had in their team to be able to have that balance as well as being able to have him open up the playbook this isn't a cardinals team that's having to bring in two tight ends to max protect and 
having to uh, just do small check downs on third and long to the Andre Ellington. This is a team that was able to effectively utilize play action to keep Carson Palmer clean. Uh, I think that the offensive line, uh, ultimately, at least it seems like it's in the good place right now. Maybe looking forward into 2018, you'll see some new, uh, some new faces. Uh, You might see some new, um, players who will come in but i think it's at least great positive voting for it especially for the future of the team if dj humphreys can stay healthy and can show that he's uh, a reliable tackle we've seen his talent he just has to be reliable uh, changing topics a little bit let's talk about how the game went from 31-0 to that final score of 38-33 what in the world happened there are 27 points in the fourth quarter uh, patrick peterson was replaced justin bethel got burned for a long touchdown uh, it reminded me very much of the Dallas game where the Cardinals just were not able to stop the defense. Fortunately, they had enough offense and uh, fortunate Tremont Williams interception to be able to come away at the win. But talk a little bit about what your thoughts were on the defense and why the Cardinals seem to be struggling so much. Yeah, it just you just don't feel comfortable with this unit, especially late in games to get key stops. Um, like I hate to keep going back and comparing James Betcher's units to Todd Bowles, but that is his mentor. That is where the, you know, the derivative of this defense comes from. Um, and so you look at the, the, the units in 2013 and 2014, uh, this, these teams were built on the backbone of defense. And anytime the Cardinals needed it late in games, they were able to make a key stop. They were able to get that key turnover defensively. Now it's, it's the opposite. They give up a key drive. Uh, via the opposing quarterback. They give up the touchdown. They give up an opposing um, field goal or they give up the field position needed for, you know, an opposing quarterback or what have you um, to put themselves in a hole. Um, And then what we saw, I think more so on Sunday, Blake, is a team that got complacent. You know, I'm not going to give them uh, too much grief for what took place. That's the NFL Um, You know, what happened in Philadelphia was, you know, unacceptable and embarrassing. What happened Sunday was more of, you know, you're up 31 to nothing. It's the NFL. You take your foot off the gas. Um, I put a little bit more on Bruce Arians with trying to force Carson Palmer to throw the deep ball instead of continually trying to run the football and um, forcing the, the Palmer interception when you didn't have to. Uh, and not necessarily continuing to try to play it safe, but, you know, forcing turnovers when it's not necessary. The Larry Fitzgerald uh, fumble return for the touchdown, that's a fluke play. That's not going to happen all the time. That that gifted them a touchdown. They had two touchdowns in the span of less than 30 seconds. Again, those are fluke plays that uh, aren't um, – a reflection of the defense. And I'm pretty sure that was a helmet to helmet play on Larry that didn't get called. So that shouldn't have even been a touchdown. Um, to me, the, the biggest concern with this defense is the number two corner position opposite Patrick Peterson and Patrick Peterson didn't even play the fourth quarter. Um, and so had he played, I would assume that game doesn't even get to uh, single digits. Um, I think he shuts down Mike Evans and um, you know, away we go. But um between Justin Bethel and Tyron Matthew and both of their play right now, uh, when you start getting into the meat of the Cardinals schedule um, in the second half of the season, uh, we're going to get into some type ball games where they're going to need critical stops. And those two individuals are going to need to play well. Um, And so what we're, what we're watching right now is a defense that's still finding itself. Um, But uh, you know, I'm not overly concerned about what took place Sunday. I'm probably in the minority in that sense. Um, you know, I was 
so relieved. It's an offensive league first and foremost. And I think the Cardinals have the personnel to get it fixed defensively. Um, whereas offensively before this game, I wasn't sure that they were able to put up this kind of point, this, this many points all season, if that makes sense. I, I wasn't sure based on who they were trotting out week in and week out that they were able to score 30 points all year to be honest with you, uh, after what I've seen and, um, you know, the opposing defenses that they were going to be facing um, after David Johnson went down and the offensive line combinations that they were ever going to be able to score 30 points as, as dramatic as that sounds defensively, you've still got Chandler Jones and you've got first round picks, uh, a plenty at linebacker and you've got Patrick Peterson. And I, you know, I hope that Tyron Matthew get, gets it turned around and Tyron branch somehow leads the NFL and tackles at safety and, um, you know, we're, we're crossing our fingers. Robert Kendiche can play this Sunday in a much uh, needed uh, role against the up and coming Rams. And so um, I'm not concerned yet, but at the same time, uh, I definitely think that it's one of those instances where, okay, you give up 33 points, uh, you get the win, but now it's a good notice to put the defense on notice uh, and put James Betcher on notice in a win so that you can ensure that it doesn't happen again, if that makes sense. Your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think that the team right now is still lacking an identity, like you had said, with uh, right now it's not sure outside of Chandler Jones rushing the passer. They just have not been able to – they've been able to have some blitzing. They really contained Jameis Winston well before he went out. But it just doesn't feel like that they have the uh, – there's kind of like either the playmaker or just one of those players who could put the icing on the cake. We had that in 2015. Even last year in 2016, we'd see that with times with Calais with a clutch rush or you'd be able to see – guys like Tony Jefferson or DJ Swearinger, just with some of those close games that had the ability to put it away. Uh, I think there's fans who have talked at least about should Kime be making more trades as far as for looking for additional help. Um, Tremont Williams is going to, of course, get more playing time. It wouldn't surprise me if he takes over uh, completely by the end of the Rams game for Justin Bethel. Um, some have suggested trading for Dominique Rogers Camardi. He's clearly not been happy against the with the Giants. Uh, he's back with the team now, at least, so it's potentially that ship has sailed. It's also a much more lucrative contract than uh, trading for Adrian Peterson. I think uh, there's some interest in Dwight Freeney, it sounds like, from the fans as well. He was kind of that case of emergency break glass guy for them the last time. Arizona currently ranks in the bottom three in sacks for right now, which is very surprising for the team. I mean, they're missing their top two pass rushers from last, uh, two of their top three pass rushers from last year. And Chandler, uh, Chandler Jones is still there, but Marcus Golden is out for the year. Calais Campbell has gone to Jacksonville. Um, some suggest that Freeney might be an interesting addition, at least just to come in on some third downs. Uh, just from checking today, he even posted some videos in training 10 hours ago. If the team did decide to bring him in, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that ship has sailed as well. I think ultimately this is a Cardinals team that has to define who they're going to be. And I think they've got a great chance to do that coming up against the St. Louis Rams, uh, whose offense has been really struggling for the most part over the last couple of games. They've been still putting up a lot of points, but uh, they've had drops. They've had other issues as far as for accuracy over the last few weeks with Jared Goff. Um, let's see a little bit, at least what is your thoughts, at least on just kind of getting into a little bit of the um, previewing for the Rams game. Yeah, I mean, the, the team, you know, goes as Todd Gurley goes. He's having a fantastic bounce-back season already, you know, halfway to 1,000 yards, four touchdowns. Um, but the story of this team is Sean McVay and what he's done to 
restart Jared Goff's career. Um, eight touchdowns, three interceptions, you know, looks like a competent NFL quarterback. Whereas last year, I mean, this was a, a high school team. It looked like a high school offense. That last game in, in LA in the season finale where I think the Cardinals sacked Jared Goff eight times, but that didn't tell the story of how inept this team looked. They had a uh, substitute or an interim coach for Jeff Fisher last year to end the season. The team looked so unprepared and Jared Goff looked so incapable of playing the quarterback position. There were, there was talk last year that his career was already in jeopardy of being over. So they did everything right in the off season. They revamped the offensive line. Um, and that's helped Todd Gurley. Obviously they brought in some new targets that, you know, I'm not the biggest Sammy Watkins fans, but it's helped. And, and Robert Woods leads the team in receiving yards. He's a nice player. They've got some B level receivers that have helped him, but they play ball control on the offensive side. And it's clearly made a, a big difference. They don't turn the ball over. And then, you know, what Wade Phillips uh, does on the defensive side of the football, the first several weeks of the season, uh, as they transition from a 4-3 to a 3-4, um, they gave up a lot of points. They've since brought that down quite a bit. And so uh, Aaron Donald, um, obviously being out the first game with a holdout, he's, um, you know hasn't missed a beat since he's been back. And so that unit, uh, very disruptive as of late. So this is a young team that I would expect only gets better, especially on the defensive end. And so really it's going to be difficult with Andre Whitworth playing left tackle uh, Chandler Jones to me is the key for this game defensively rattling Jared Goff, forcing him in, into situations he doesn't want to be in making him uncomfortable. And then from an offensive standpoint uh, where they are um, vulnerable is from um, a run defense standpoint, uh, Alec Ogletree, these guys are not great against the run. Todd Gurley tore them up. Carlos Hyde tore them up. Uh, and so you would think Adrian Peterson making his second trip to London, the first NFL player to do that, uh, two London trips in a season uh, should have more than um, several opportunities to gouge a Rams defense that's, again, not great against the run. So that's what I would try to key on. Totally agree. We're going to take a quick break, at least here from the Bird Gang Blitz. I got a chance to interview Joe McAtee of Turf Show Times. We got to talk a little bit of the Cardinals-Rams preview. Uh, we'll cut in with that interview right now. Hi there, folks. Uh, welcome back to the Bird Gang Blitz. I'm Blake, and we've got a special guest today. Don't always have a guest here. Uh, we're bringing on Joe McAtee with Turf Show Times. Uh, Joe, first of all, congratulations on finally moving on from Jeff Fisher. Yeah, thank, thanks, Blake. I, I uh, hate who, to inform you, whoever let you know that I'm a special guest was entirely wrong, but uh, <laughs> thanks for the congratulations. It's exciting. We're, we're enjoying the celebration yeah that's awesome so yeah let's talk a little bit about that because right now at the cardinals and rams um going into that london game we've got two different sets of head coaches opposing this uh this week you've got the youngest head coach in the league with sean uh, McVay, and then the second oldest coach in the league with bruce arians uh, just the dynamic talk a little bit about that where you've got the dynamic of a brand new head coach and then a, a coach kind of some of suggested perhaps making his last stand this season what can you tell us a little bit about uh sean mcveigh and how he's doing in his first season well what's funny is you got the same dynamic on the Rams sideline between sean mcveigh and wade phillips his defensive coordinator um 
you know, I think I think that's just one of the the dynamics that you're going to have when you've got the youngest head coach in NFL history is that pretty much up against almost anybody uh, in that line of work, almost all of his peers are going to come off as kind of an older foil uh, to what he represents, which is kind of that next NFL. We talked about it last week on our side and in the podcast that we do, that the Jaguars game was kind of this preview of the next NFL, uh, the Jaguars, you know, the Rams, uh, Miles Jack, Jalen Ramsey, and everybody on that Jaguars defense against Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, uh, Cooper Cup, and kind of the future of that Rams offense spearheaded by McVay. I think you've got a little bit of the opposite uh, this week. Kind of a no I'll use the word. I'll go ahead and say it. The old NFL, an old NFL <laughs> with Carson Palmer and Adrian Peterson now and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, that kind of represents the old guard. I, you could even say the old guard of the NFC West against this new class in Los Angeles. And I think part of what's interesting, we looked at it on Monday. We've got three players over 30 years old, two of which are brand new to the team. And Andrew Whitworth. The one being, excuse me. Uh, uh, John Sullivan. You hey, real quick, Joe. The apparently the internet connection is a little bit unstable for whatever reason here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and see if I can at least just refresh it a little bit. And then if you can just repeat a little bit of that last portion. Sure. Did you lose me or something? No, it was just kind of got a little bit like unstable where it was just kind of like it, like you cut in and out in a little. Yeah. No bad. Oh, no, it's okay. It was just like they just sent a notification. So you can just probably start over and talk a little bit about the 30-year-old Rams uh, sure. that are over there. Computers. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I looked on uh, Monday, actually, and the Rams only have three players that are 30 years or older. Uh, Andrew Whitworth, our starting left tackle, John Sullivan, starting center, and then Connor Barwin. Uh, you guys have 15 players that are 30 years or older. So it sets up this battle kind of – Seasoned veterans and seasoned veteran coaches in Bruce Arians and his staff that you guys have had there and the success that you guys have had the last couple of years in the NFC West versus this new breed of L.A. Rams and a new breed of NFL team. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk a little bit. I know one of the topics we had for Revenge of the Birds and for the Tertiary Times this week was the, if you could take any player on the other team's roster, if you'd be able to add them to your team, who would it be? Now, for Cardinals fans, it's kind of obvious. We've been missing Calais Campbell pretty big this year. Robert Kandichi has been unhealthy and hasn't really been able to step up as well. And Aaron Donald is arguably the best player in the NFL right now, at least for sure the best defensive player in the NFL right now. Talk a little bit at least about the impact that Aaron Donald has had and then talk a little bit about which Cardinals player you'd kind of want to pluck right off of the roster right now if you could. Yeah, he's insane. Aaron Donald, it's not that he's unblockable. You don't want to use that word because then as soon as he gets blocked once, you know, your opposition is going to be like, ah, see. But it's one of those things where his game is so versatile. He can beat you with power. He can beat you with speed. He can beat you with athleticism. He can beat you with savvy and just kind of the weirdness. He's got, he's got those weird rushes where you're like, well, what is he doing with his knee? What the hell is that? And he did, all of a sudden, he's at the quarterback. He's just got so many ways to disrupt plays, uh, whether it's incredible. Um, 
if there was a player that I would see part of what makes the Rams really weird right now is they've got a bunch of guys who are headed to free agency uh, that are core contributors, guys like a Sammy Watkins, right? Um, or you, you look at the defense, they just re-extended Alec Ogletree. Aaron Donald's got one more year. He'll be around for 2018, but I'm sure you guys saw there was a bit of a holdout earlier this year. So there's some concern that he might not uh, necessarily sign a contract extension with the Rams, which might satisfy your need to get him over to Arizona, though I'm hoping if he leaves, he gets the hell out of the NFC West. Um, if, the, if there was one player that I could take maybe from you guys. I, I might look at Hassan Reddick, uh, the Rams linebacker core could use some short bring up, but the obvious one would have to be probably Patrick Peterson. Uh, um, you know, great cover corner return ability, which is something the Rams and league and fumbles. We had a couple last weekend. It's really getting to be an issue and being able to have teams would be pretty awesome. Yeah, no, Peterson's just having an unbelievable year. So far, he's been holding uh, opponents, I believe, to it's like less than three catches. And uh, I believe it's at least under 50. Uh, it's like even less than 50 yards per game. He's just having like a best corner play in the NFL this year. Uh, it's kind of interesting with how it's affected the rest of the team because teams have just been throwing away from him and the Cardinals secondary has needed to step up. It's kind of interesting what you were mentioning with Hassan Reddick because he's been kind of still learning a lot of the position, whereas we've had uh, Dale Buchanan has been kind of once he's right. returned to the team, it's been a huge impact as far as being able to um, see the covering, being able to get off of the blocks, at least. It's been very interesting. So, But I do think that the Cardinals, on one hand, you've got this team that has a lot of young playmakers. And on the other, like, you know, you can talk about with your David Johnson, at least while he's been out. And on the other hand, you've got these players who are plus 30 or even a 42-year-old kicker. It's just a very interesting dynamic for the team. So it'll be uh, definitely interesting to watch and see who ends up being victorious, the young team or the old. Speaking of talking about with David Johnson, he's been out so far, at least at least he's going to be out for Thanksgiving with a wrist injury. Let's talk about running the dang ball, um, just the impact and the change we've seen from the Rams with being able to get Todd Gurley much more involved in the passing game, being able to put together an offensive line, and also, uh, I can touch a little on Arizona's struggles with the offensive line, which led to uh, the return of their starting left tackle, their starting left guard, uh, benching right guard Evan Bame for Earl Watford uh, as he returned to the team. And then the impact of Adrian Peterson. Could you talk a little bit about the impact that Todd Gurley has had with the Rams and how you think he'll be used against the Cardinals on Sunday? Yeah, I think that might be – people are going to focus on Jared Goff, understandably, and the fact that – as bad as his seven-game rookie season went, his improvement from 2016 to 2017 maybe validates the hire of Sean McVay. But you could equally look at what happened with Todd Gurley uh, last year and what he's done this year as maybe, if not a superior uh, validation of the McVay hire, at least an equal one. And, and, and it's worth mentioning because especially in 2015, the year that he won the rookie of the year, had had some overwhelming season-long performance. That just wasn't the case. He had four great games when he came out. And then the rest of the year, he went through a nine-game stretch where his, his production was pretty pedestrian. And he was averaging less than four yards a carry. He only had 100-yard game in that stretch. He actually, if you guys remember, in 2015 against you guys, had a nine-carry, 41-yard output. I mean, that's just – that's not special. Um, and then – and obviously in 2016, he went the entire year without 100 yards. Ruined a lot of people's fantasy seasons. Hope he didn't ruin yours. Like, um, and so <laughs> it was one of those things where a lot of Rams fans were really concerned that 
that the offense was not set up to take advantage of Todd Gurley's skill set because the offensive line wasn't good enough. The play calling was so boring, and, and the, the Rams just couldn't run much of the playbook because the offensive line couldn't protect uh, the quarterback. Fast forward to this year, and it's been night and day. The offensive line is significantly better. Um, Todd Gurley came out and was a huge impact in the passing game early on and was actually the leading receiver for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then the ground game started get, getting going. In week three against San Francisco, we finally broke that 100-yard mark and had two rushing touchdowns. And then two of the last three weeks, he's been phenomenal, where he's crossed 100 yards, has been consistently gaining yards. And this is one of the things we talk about on our side a lot, is the idea that it's much better to have a game like Todd Gurley had last week, 23 carries for 116. The longest carry he only had was 14 yards. So it's not as if he had one explosive play and then the rest were, you know, 22 carries for three yards, two yards. He was consistently picking up yards and making it second and short, third and short, and making much better opportunities for the offense versus what the Jaguars got out of Leonard Fournette. First handoff of the game, he goes 78 yards for a touchdown. A lot of Rams fans were freaking out because our run defense has had some issues this year. But the rest of the game, the Rams defense absolutely shut down Leonard Fournette and forced the Jaguars to go through blitz. Bortles, which seems like a good game plan if you're a defense and it ended up working out pretty well. Uh, the difference is when you have Todd Gurley consistently racking up yards, it puts your offense in a much better position. And that's the kind of year they've been able to get out of them. It's been really impressive. For you guys, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you got to figure out, and it's not helping when Nikel Roby Coleman, I don't know if you saw this already, put some locker room fuel for the fire when he said that Adrian Peterson isn't the Adrian Peterson of old. Uh, coming off of last week, it's kind of hard to say that. I don't know why you want to throw that out there, but he did. And it, it's one of those things where you got to figure out, okay, you got Adrian Peterson, Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald. That's a triad of uh, pretty significant talent. You got to figure out which one of those guys you're going to be able to stop because it's going to be hard to stop all three. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting where you're talking about how Gurley didn't have a run of longer than 14 yards in that game. The Cardinals up until the Adrian Peterson game had not had a run of 15 yards or more the entire season. So you're talking about six weeks in with, since David Johnson went out and he had even struggled to run the ball against Detroit with how they'd lost their left tackle for the start. Nike Oyapati had been injured. So the Cardinals were kind of in just dire straits where you're able to go into every single drive. You're basically looking at second and 12 or third and long. And when Peterson came in and they were able to get back DJ Humphreys, who's been a, a monster in the run game at left tackle, and then just kind of uh, a signing of another old guy in Alex Boone, uh, cut by the Vikings over 30. Um, it was just fascinating to be able to see how it changed the entire offense, where it not only kind of motivated or gave the team kind of confidence again, uh, but just the fact that you'd be able to actually see holes created and see a running back hitting the holes, it opened up the play-action game. And you're talking about some of the weapons that Arizona has with Fitzgerald. Uh, you're talking about with Peterson. Uh, the big thing that's interesting about a lot of that is the Cardinals at least still do have some other weapons. They had touchdowns uh, to Troy Nicholas, the tight end, last week, as well as to John Brown on the outside. But the game wasn't as simple as a blowout. The game ended up turning into a 38-33 game by the end of Tampa Bay behind Ryan Fitzmagic had a comeback, at least, where it ended up being actually a game in the fourth quarter. So let's talk a little bit now, shifting to talking about the defensive disappointments that we've had this year from both the Rams and Wade Phillips first year, as well as the Cardinals, who have, I believe are right now second in passing yards and seem to just not be that lockdown, shutdown defense they've been in years past. Talk a little bit about how the Rams have looked on defense so far and what they're going to try to do to stop Arizona.
they just struggled to shut down opposing run offenses, and then that just kind of bleeds over into the passing game. Great example was this. I tried to hate on other fan bases, but no Brian Hoyer in the San Francisco passing attack. The problem is when you let the rushing game get started, it makes it easier to begin integrating that passing attack, and that's exactly what happened with the Rams' defense. Struggled against the run in Washington, struggled against the run with Indianapolis, even though they won that game 46-9 in a blowout week one. And it kind of set the tone for what they had going into Dallas. Uh, And they really got into a shootout, win that game 35-30. But now it's one of those things where, okay, the defense has to clamp down. They gave up 69 points, a very nice total, between week three and week four. They just had to get something in the defense going. And they come home against Seattle, really get the defense together, only let up 16 points and lose that game. So what's been interesting the last two weeks is the defense has really stepped up. The pass defense looks much improved. Uh, versus the first month but it's really the rushing defense that's really making a big difference especially in second halves and so it's one of those things where uh, I'm I'm not as worried only because the Rams have been able to get around it over all the last two weeks I'm not as worried about you know the first quarter kind of that Jeff Fisher staple of let's get in there and get the first quarter in our favor and then you let the game go from there Sean McVay and Wade Phillips have kind of overseen kind of a bit of the opposite where the first quarter can go a bit awry and then they're able to make some adjustments throughout the game and find a way to tinker with things, at least for the last two weeks. And you got to assume that it's something that they're trying to make a, uh, an emphasis on that really has taken hold the last two weeks because it's been a little bit different than the first month of the season. Absolutely. All right. Uh, one thing, at least real quick with the defensive uh, side, let's continue and talk a little bit just about the quarterbacks. Carson Palmer had been uh, sacked in 12 uh, 12 sacks in two games going into the Philly game. And then he stayed mostly clean, but the offense is ineffective. They got behind quickly 31 to seven. Uh, let's talk a little bit about pressure. And then let's also go a little bit over Jared Goff. Uh, over the last three games, one thing I noticed while doing some research was just that um, Goff's had kind of a little bit of a downturn as far as for his completing just over 50% of the passes, his three touchdowns to two interceptions. But he did play two of the top pass defenses in the NFL over those last two weeks. Are you concerned at all, at least, that perhaps it'll be getting off to a quick start and then teams are kind of trying to figure out some more? Or do you think that the success the Rams have had over the first few weeks is going to be able to continue for the long haul? And how do you think that Carson Palmer (coughs) do under that uh, brutal Aaron Donald-led pass rush? Yeah, I'll take the pass rush first because I think it's a big concern for the Rams. The Rams are getting a lot of pass rush but it's coming from all over the place. It seems more system generated. They've got 20 sacks, uh, but it's not as if you've got one dominant pass rusher that's padding those stats. Right now the Rams sack leaders are Connor Barwin and Matt Longacre with three sacks each, which leads the question, okay, what's going on with Robert Quinn? You go back to 2014, Robert Quinn was one of the best four, three hands down uh, defensive ends in the league. The last two years though, he's suffered some pretty, uh, uh, significant injuries that cut half of the season each in uh, 15 and 16. And it may be the case that he's just not the guy he was before. And for Wade Phillips defense, you know, you go back to what he had with DeMarcus Ware in Dallas and then DeMarcus Ware and Von Miller in Denver, you know, that in order for him to put together one of those top 10, uh, one of those playoff caliber defenses, he's got to have a premier pass rusher. And I don't know that he's got one from the edge right now. You got Aaron Donald up the middle and he's in phenomenal, but you don't have anybody that's really a standout edge rusher 
uh, leading the way to create pressure. And, and part of what that's forcing him to do is throw a bunch of blitz, uh, blitz options in, which is why you have so many guys contributing to that 20-sack total. Um, so, yeah, I, it's one of those things where I do worry a little bit now with Robert Quinn because we're six games in, uh, and he's just not as explosive and as productive as he's been that maybe that's one of those things that the Rams got to start looking at as we get towards, you know, the off season with 2018 NFL draft needs and free agency, that that edge rusher could become cheap among them uh, going forward. The good thing is that on the offensive side, the Rams have done such a good job at protecting Jared Goff. And part of it is scheme where Jared Goff is not taking too much time to get rid of the ball. And because he's not forced, we don't have a Larry Fitzgerald. We don't have a single one guy that, you know, you get, that you've just got to throw the ball to, and force a bunch of targets to him over the course of 60 minutes. We don't really, as good as Sammy Watkins is, that's not how this offense operates. It's going to Robert Woods. It's going to Todd Gurley. It's going to Sammy Watkins. It's going to Cooper Cup. It's going to Tyler Higby. It's going to Gerald Everett. It's going wherever the defense gives you. And so because of that, Jerry Goff doesn't have to necessarily force feed somebody and wait for a guy to get open. He can let plays come to him, and he's done a pretty good job at evading uh, some of the rush. He's a relatively athletic guy. He's not necessarily just a pocket passer. Uh, and he's done a good job of getting out of that, which is why the Rams haven't dealt with as many sacks as you guys have. And it's something that you definitely have to credit the offensive coaching staff for putting Jared Goff in a position to succeed like that. Yeah, it's been something we've talked about on the Bird Game Blitz for the last couple of weeks has been the scheme difference, being able to use some of the athleticism, quicker passing game, um, being able to just work on for the Cardinals to um, have a – just kind of a, an adjustment by Arians to be able to protect Carson Palmer. And we hadn't seen as much of that last week was kind of an area where maybe we saw that uh, was Arians is going to kind of be Arians. And sometimes you can have that stubbornness, but perhaps it was less about the scheme and more about some of this, the talent of being able to have that effective run game. Uh, that's just one of the biggest things that we saw at the Cardinals is once you did have that run game last week with Adrian Peterson, um, Palmer only took, I believe it was like two hits on the day, and I believe it was only one sack. It was a coverage sack. So it'll be interesting to see with the Rams being that uh, one of the league leaders in sacks and the Cardinals going from league leaders down to being uh, having only 11 sacks on the year. And Chandler Jones, when you're talking about edge rushers, has been one of the best edge players in the NFL, uh, not just this year, but over the last few years as well. So it'll be interesting to see that Jones-Donald dynamic because uh, Arizona's been blitzing so much less this season. So just the fact that Arizona is going to be having to try to find a way to generate pressure with Marcus Golden out for the year than ACL, it'll be really interesting to kind of see who wins that line. Uh, just two more quick topics before we get out. Uh, let's talk about the fact that this game is not being played in the United States. It's being played in London across the pond. Uh, the Rams have been there before. The Cardinals, this is their first trip over. What do you think, at least as far as for what you've seen in the past from the Rams, what do you think that the impact will be? And the fact that the Cardinals are already over there while the Rams are leaving on Friday. Uh, is that anything that's a concern for you or having been there before? Do you think that they already have an advantage? Well, it's one of those things where we went over there to start the week uh, last year and ended up losing. So I'm not too concerned about it. <laughs> um, you know, it's, the Rams haven't had a, a lot of success in Los, An in Los Angeles, in London. We haven't had a ton of success in Los Angeles either. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't had the success in London, went over there last year, uh, lost to the Giants, went there a couple of years ago and lost to the Patriots. Um, so it's one of those things where the, the, the history doesn't look good in our part. I think the difference is you're hoping that the, the corner that the Rams seem to be turning under Sean McVay maybe gets represented in the International Series this year and moving forward because we got one more game we're going to have to play uh, in the International Series. What, what makes it weird isn't necessarily the time change 
or, you know, who gets there first. It's kind of, you get a little bit of a different crowd, right? Where you can have, as opposed to playing in Arizona and you know you got, you're going to have Rams fans if the game was down there, uh, you know, at y'all's place. But it's going to be, what, 95% home fans. Uh, you come to Los Angeles, it's going to be 95% Rams fans with, a, you know, a couple of visiting fans. You go to London, and you've probably got 80% who are, you know, non-committed, that are just kind of neutral fans. And maybe they pick a team before the game. But these aren't fans that have been Rams or Cardinals fans for 20, 30 years. And so a lot of them just want to see something entertaining. And, and so you get this weird dynamic where the same fans – are cheering for the Rams when they make a good play. And then the next play when there's a sack, cheering for the Cardinals. And so you don't necessarily get the same kind of momentum that a home crowd would build. And I found that one of the more interesting dynamics. I think you saw that uh, last year, if you watched the Raiders-Texans game in Mexico City. It was a great game. A lot of Raiders fans there. But you had a lot of Houston fans too. And it created this dynamic where it was a relatively uh, even, and what, what you would expect maybe from a neutral site, an even crowd uh, uh, mix that creates a, a pretty relatively unique dynamic when you look across the schedule for most of the games that you're going to have a home crowd for one of the two teams. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, we have to give our British bird gang a bit of a shout out there. Actually, uh, Michael Bidwell, uh, the team's owner actually went over to London uh, early. I believe it was a couple of years ago as they were scouting out for the teams. And even though they're adamant on um, not wanting to give up a home game is because they see that home field advantage. And that's where uh, the Rams ended up being one of those teams that kind of has uh, had that, but you know, NFL will trade that for a Super Bowl. obviously uh, they have had a really decent uh, sized fan base over in London specifically for Cardinals fans. So it'll be interesting just to see the dynamic of how much of that will be Cardinals fans, how much of that will be pure Rams fans and how many of that, like you say, will just want a good game. All right, let's move into our final segment and go over score predictions, at least. What is your outcome that you're seeing for the game? What's the score? Who's going to take home the win? Yeah, so the, what's going to be interesting to me, it, the, the Rams have a pretty straightforward strategy that has worked on offense every game except for the Seattle game. Uh, and even when it struggled last week against the Jaguars, you saw the value of it because it was able to, to pound out a win in a way that we're, we've gotten accustomed to seeing under Jeff Fisher, but that people maybe didn't expect the first couple of weeks under Sean McVay but you see the value of it when you're able to grind out a game in the second half. The difference is the defense has been a tale of two seasons thus far. And I, I'll be honest, I am a bit concerned going up against you guys and the threat that the offense poses because you've just got as much, as, as much age as they've got, you've still got a ton of talent between Adrian Peterson, Carson Palmer, and Larry Fitzgerald. So I think this could be a lot different than the Rams last game. I think we could see a lot of points. And I think this is going to be one where both teams put together a couple touchdowns, uh, maybe it, it's one of those games where whoever has the ball last ends up being able to have the chance to win. So I'm going to go a little bit high. I've got to take my team though, right? I got to go. So I'm going to go 34 for the Rams and I'll, uh, I'll go 34, 30. Uh, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think it's going to be a fun game, but, uh, I got to go with the Rams. I hate to, I hate to do it on your podcast, but I got to do it. Right. Absolutely. No, that's where uh, I've had uh, the same. For me on my side, it'll be interesting because the Cardinals are going to be in one of two places. Uh, I think it's going to come down ultimately to a uh, perhaps a special teams play, whether the Cardinals are able to avoid the mistakes and whether the Rams are able to make a play on special teams. Because the Cardinals, even with everything else that they've improved in the last game, they still missed a, an onside kick and have had a struggles in their kicking game, at least for where Phil Dawson missed, I believe it was. 
um, four kicks in the first five weeks, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, I think it'll just depend on if the Rams are able to get pressure on Carson Palmer and able to stop the run, which they haven't been able to so far. I think that that's where the Rams are going to be able to take over. If they're not, and if Adrian Peterson is able to go off again against uh, a run defense, which is actually worse than the Bucks' run defense last week, and the team is able to be rested and healthy, uh, I would probably say at least Arizona comes away at the win. Uh, it's tough to know because Arizona struggled over so far in all of their away games so far this season um, with the slow starts. I'm going to pick a little bit less than I think it ends up turning into a high-scoring game just because of the way the defenses are playing. Uh, I really think it could be a toy toss between the two teams in the end. I'll say that Arizona goes in with that boost from Adrian Peterson and then just the fact that um, Arizona is very, very strong against the run. They uh, did not allow a, a running back more than 50 yards up through the – uh, Eagles game and LeGarrette Blount went and gashed him for a big gain. I think that Gurley will still damage them in the passing game, though. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just say that it's a little bit lower scoring than we think since it's in London. Um, I'll go ahead and say that it ends up being 31 to uh, 29. Kind of a little bit weird score where I think it'll come down to a late game field goal. Uh, I'll take the Cardinals in this one, but I think that could just as easily be the Rams. Uh, it'll be perhaps coming down to whether it's Zerline or on the Cardinals side, Dawson coming on to a late field goal, um, avoiding the overtime. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Joe. Uh, tell the rest of the listeners where they can find your work. Tertial Times, man. Hit us up at Tertial Times on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Snapchat. No, we're not on Snapchat. Um, yeah, hit us <laughs> up on Tertial Times at Fantastic. Yeah. I don't know how many Cardinals fans will be there, but I always recommend uh, fans to be able to go and check out the rest of, especially our divisional writers, just because you can learn so much more about not just your team, but about the rest of the division as a whole. It's so much easier than just kind of staying in your little bubble. Definitely do recommend it. Well, thanks for joining me today, uh, Joe. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And we're back with the Bird Gang Blitz. Uh, Some great stuff there. Hey, uh, let's go and cut to a little bit as we kind of wrap up for tonight. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, we got to see DJ Humphreys return. We got to see Alex Boone return this week. We've got a couple other Cardinals who will be returning shortly. Uh, Robert Condici is one. We're hopefully going to see if he'll finally get a chance to be able to actually see extensive playing time. But the return of TJ Logan is quite on the horizon to give the special teams a boost. And one certain David Johnson is still being projected for about a Thanksgiving return. Uh, Johnny, can you give a little bit of insight into what you think the impact of um, some of these players, especially TJ and DJ might be for the Cardinals team? Uh, well, a week ago, I would say it would, it would make or break the season. Now with the, you know, the arrival of Adrian Peterson, I'm not sure I'd rush uh, David Johnson back, you know, so soon. Um, you know, I saw that Bruce Arian said, they were hoping for Thanksgiving for David, you know, initial diagnosis was right around Christmas. I, I would like to see them stick to that. Uh, and then maybe, you know, if you're able to make a playoff push, um, get him back around, you know, the, the last quarter of the season uh, and have him spell Adrian Peterson uh, and, and go from there. TJ Logan, obviously Blake, is a different story. We've talked about the special team woes, especially from a return standpoint, and what he could do for this team. We saw what he did in the lone preseason game that he had and how electrifying he can be from a return standpoint. I think that would be a huge boost for this team. When you talk about field position, uh, that's somebody that they, I think, would want to bring back immediately from you know an IR designated return. And then obviously David later on uh, in the season. But but that would be it. Those would be the, the two that you would that you would bring back. And I, I, 
how many times do you think that would ever happen is the two IR that the two individuals you brought off IR would both be running backs. I don't know if that's, that's ever happened. That would just kind of seem ironic for me. People have, how people devalue that position, I think would kind of be funny. So, but yeah, I think that would uh, make the Cardinals obviously much more explosive going from uh, Curran Williams, Chris Johnson, Andre Ellings, and later in the season to Adrian Peterson, uh, TJ Logan and David Johnson, but it'd be a whole different story with DJ Lo- DJ Humphreys and, and um, everybody else on the offensive line leading the way. Definitely. And uh, I, I think that's part of what's interesting is um, you almost kind of don't want to picture what it would be just because you can't imagine it. But having David Johnson would probably give the Cardinals, you would argue, uh, a third elite receiving uh, threat besides Larry Fitzgerald on third down. So if you're in a third and two situation, it just becomes something that's almost impossible to guard. And that was something we were even talking with uh, on the Turf Show Times that they were at least a bit scared of the Cardinals because they know that their defense has been gashed by the run. And the Buccaneers are a good run defense. Um, so just the fact that their defense has struggled against with Wade Phillips and the Cardinals, this is a team that now has Larry Fitzgerald fired up. Adrian Peterson has just really brought the team to a whole different level. Uh, just looking into the Rams game, it'll be very interesting if this is a team that starts to enter a second half surge. And then when you see the return of some of those other players, it just ends up kind of building on that. It'll depend on health, of course, but it'll all be a lot. I think if there's a theme to look for this year, it would basically be, um, you know, Bruce Arians talks about no risk it, no biscuit. I would call this, uh, since it's the British bird gang with our London trip, no thump it, no crump it. The team has to run the football against the Rams. And if they're going to be able to win, I think that they're going to want to see a similar game to the Bucks, where you see Adrian Peterson get the ball 25 plus times, Carson Palmer throwing perhaps under 25 times. I think that's going to be the uh, best way for, uh, for the team to be able to win. All right. Uh, well, I think we're just about ready to wrap up for tonight, but let's do a little bit of talk just with um, our topic for this week in the draft is running backs, which right now, especially with the Adrian Peterson trade, if he has a strong second half of the season, stays healthy, comes in, I don't think the Cardinals will be even looking for a running back. Uh, we've got some top names, at least like Saquon Barkley might be uh, as number one overall talent in this year's draft. You've got guys like Darius Geis, Royce Freeman, uh, even David Montgomery out of Iowa State has looked great uh, with some smaller running backs, too. Instead of talking about which running backs might be the Cardinals could draft, let's talk more about what does Bruce Arians look for in a running back and why has Adrian Peterson been such a great fit for that model? Uh, some of your thoughts as we close for tonight. Yeah, I think just the violent nature of his running style fits what the Cardinals like to do. Um, he tried to mirror that with Richard Mendenhall. That was one of the first free agent signings that they ever made when Bruce Arians came to the desert in 2013. That didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, but the physicality standpoint he looks for in a running back is the number one trait. You have to be available. You have to have size. You have to be able to break tackles. Those are, those are three of the biggest, I think, attributes that you have to have. And then David, on top of that, has the elite receiving you know, traits that no other running back possesses. You know, Bruce Arians running backs usually are big, powerful guys, the Jerome Bettises of the world. Um, and then you add in David's ability to catch the football out of the backfield. That's just what makes him so special. I think, you know, the traditional first, second down running backs that Bruce has had in the past, like the Mendenhalls, are who he expected probably to have in Arizona. And then you draft somebody like Andre Ellings and in the sixth round, uh, or you get somebody like a Stefan Taylor in the fifth round and you supplant, you know, Mendenhall, um, you know, on third down or what have you, 
Uh, I think that was kind of the plan all along. And then you find David Johnson in the third round. He becomes an elite three-down running back in this league, and, uh, and away you go. Adrian Peterson is a complete throwback. He's a violent runner. He is somebody that the Cardinals, you know, obviously made an egregious error not drafting uh, fifth overall in 2007, and it, it haunted the franchise for, you know, however many years. It probably cost them the Super Bowl. But um, right now, uh, he's a first and second down option. Uh, I thought pass protection-wise on, on third down, he did a decent job. Uh, didn't make any um, – didn't make too many errors. Uh, and certainly didn't cost them uh, any any sacks that I saw. Uh, and is it, isn't the route runner and pass catcher David is. But um, that's what makes David so special and, and probably makes him the best non-quarterback in terms of an offensive threat that we have in the NFL. And I think people forget that. And I'm sure he's anxious to remind everybody when he gets back. Definitely agree. All right, on the way out the door, uh, let's give our final predictions for the uh, Cardinals Rams game it's tough for me because I am part of me does not want to pick the Cardinals in any type of either well I guess you can't can't really say it's east coast it's an international game uh, on a different road environment but I feel like the momentum that they have um, from Peterson signing I think that this is a team that's going to be motivated the divisional game and the fact that they're over there early has me um, looking at the this is a team I think that will it's not going to go in and crush like they did against the Bucks. But I think that they're going to go in, and I could see it being a uh, 31-28 late field goal type of a win. Uh, I think that this is a Cardinals team that's going to be able to kind of uh, take another step forward, at least as far as for being able to kind of um, step back into that uh, NFC playoff picture. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that the this is going to be one of those games that the experience and, and the leadership in the age of the Cardinals is going to, pay dividends and the inexperience for the Rams is going to hurt them. Uh, and I think the Cardinals are going to eke out a victory. The Rams have also been on the road for two weeks. They haven't been home uh, for, um, I believe it's been 10 to 13 days, whereas the Cardinals have uh, just recently left for London uh, and the Rams just played a road game in Jacksonville. So the Rams have been gone for a while. Um, so I think everybody gives the Cardinals grief for being an old team uh, eventually that's got to pay off somewhere. And so hopefully the veteran leadership is going to pay off uh, on the road in London. Eventually that's got to pay dividends somewhere. And I think it happens this, this week and hopefully some of the uh, immaturity uh, for the Rams uh, bites them in London. Definitely. All right. Well, um, thank you guys again for listening to us. You can follow me on Twitter at Blake Murphy seven go and follow John anytime at Johnny's football. Thanks again for joining us for another week. We'll hopefully be talking about um, another game from Adrian Peterson going into next week. We'll see how the, uh, this whole AP Larry Fitzgerald combination works the rest of the year. Have a good one, everyone. Talk to you next time. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. 
Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill-up. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.